Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Thank you for tuning in to Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. I'm Andrea, and today we have special guest Judd Lofshay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Judd. I appreciate you for being here. My pleasure. Happy and New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. And you are a real estate broker and attorney, and you have been alderman for the 10th Ward on the East Side for about three years. Lived here for more than 20 years, and you have a history of advocacy and community support. And I... Um, wanted to show you this clip because you were mentioned on the season one okay. by Jessica Banta. Awesome. And uh, let's just play that really quick. Okay. You're never too old. You're never too young. We all bleed red. doesn't matter what you look like, who you are. It's help the next person. Help your neighbor. Yeah. That's really what I hope people get from Relief Coalition. I'm a restaurant manager. Brandon has a degree in marketing. Judd is an alderman who's a lawyer. Diane works at a food pantry. We're just regular people. <laughs> this is what I love. You're regular people who have a vision for good and are actually doing it. And you find a way to work together and to just make it happen. I'm in my 20s. Brandon's in his 30s. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different, you know, lifestyles. Yeah. And we all came together to make a difference. Yeah. And that's what we really want people to know. It's like, just no matter who you are, how old you are. I love that. Nice. And Jessica, she was talking to us about the Relief Coalition and how you helped her get the connections that she needed uh, to start the food pantry service um, delivery that she was doing and really just provided that network of support that she needed to make the difference that she felt she was called to do. She and we and Brandon and Diane from the food pantry and my wife and they had a host of volunteers. We did. It was born out of hey, what happened in March of last year to all the restaurant workers? There's so many unemployed, the restaurants closed down and like these, some of them, you know, didn't have a savings. So what could we do? I knew Brandon, I don't remember exactly now, but um, my wife's on the board of the food pantry. I volunteer there all the time. So we got them hooked up and I think March we started and we did for eight weeks, we did two or 300 cars a day filling it with food. Mm-hmm. And people were so thankful, you know, and there was no judgment. Hey, it doesn't matter why you're here. You know, it was really great. And they were great. And we, and we did a lot of good, I think. So what planted that seed in you <clears throat> for community service and wanting to give back, right? You're a very yeah. successful guy, real estate, lawyer. You don't really have to do this. Right. That's... Yeah, you don't have to, but uh, like Jessica said, we all bleed red, right? That was a great statement. So I grew up, Andrea, that with parents who were givers, right? My dad was president of the Ray Graham Association for the Handicapped in Elmhurst. And my mom was a tutor and did picture ladies. And, you know, we were always volunteering that more than me. But I think it just, you know, instilled, they didn't have to do it either, right? 
my dad had three restaurants and what he found was, you know, when you do good things, good things happen, right? So he's hiring all these handicapped people because he's kind of the president. So he wants to set an example. They were his best workers, Andrea. They didn't call in sick. They showed up. They're always smiling. They love to work. They love to get out of the house. So, you know, I just, I just saw it. And then, you know, I, my thing was the homeless, right? I interviewed this Mitch Snyder, this famous homeless activist in Washington, D.C. During when How Ray, old were you? I was, you know, probably late 20s, yeah. maybe 30, 30 or 29 or 30, something like that. And he was inspirational, right? He said, Judd, it doesn't matter if you have diabetes or cancer. If you don't have food and shelter, you're going to die, right? So Mitch Snyder, Mitch Snyder was his name. Martin Sheen made a movie about him. He slept on grates outside. Ronald Reagan, the president, promised him $2 million to build a shelter. Reagan didn't give it to him, so he went on hunger strike for 40 days. He almost killed himself. But it worked. He got the money and they built this cool shelter. So when I moved back to Chicago, like in 87, I'm like, you know, what can we do? So we were raising money for other homeless organizations. And after a few years of doing fundraisers, which we all know is a takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I came up with, I saw it on TV. I didn't invent this. I copied it streetwise. It's a homeless paper. We started August 24th, 92. We've helped 13,000 homeless people. We had 300 people sign up the first week. 300. You imagine starting a business with 300 new people. 13,000 people through the door. Um, 40% of them, according to Northwestern Business School, got a place to another place to live, a job, or a full-time job. And... They've sold 13 million papers and it's a, it's not a, it's like, you know, the adage, give him a fish, feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, feed him for life. Mm-hmm. So we gave him a job and, and it's still going strong 30 years later. Wow. Yeah. And when you were younger and you saw your parents giving back, they probably gave a lot of time, I'm yeah. sure, yep. money. And I think that the biggest sacrifice is the time that you give towards meetings, right. organizing, getting the word out, finding sponsors. Right. This is all work. Yeah. And I'm proud to say that it worked because it affected me. And then I've taken my son, we volunteer once or twice a month at the Hesed House Homeless Shelter in Aurora. And I've taken him there a million times, mm-hmm. serve food, work in the store, stock, whatever he needs, you know, we, they need to do. So hopefully it'll tr- translate down to him. Mm-hmm. So then tell us how you got into real estate and law. What made you want to go into to be an attorney? You know, I don't know why. I always kind of thought I would and knew I would. I don't know. It's I don't really know exactly why, but... Where did you guys grow up? Grew up in Elmhurst. Okay, Went yeah. to York High School. My husband went to Elmhurst College. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good school. Mm-hmm. And uh, went to University of Michigan after that, Pepper, uh, Pepperdine Law School, and then American University Law School, graduate law degree. And then lived in D.C. for a few years, and then moved back to Chicago. And, you know, I'm a Midwestern, and I love Chicago. I love the West Coast. I love the East Coast, but... My heart's kind of here. What brought you to Aurora? So honestly, I was living in Chicago and uh, my wife and I came out to visit her girlfriend in White Eagle on a golf course. And I'm like, I'm a golfer. I'm like, God, would it be cool to, because we were going to have a child, you know, live on a golf course. So White Eagle was too far. So we ended up living in Stonebridge, you know. Another great area though. <laughs> yeah, in Aurora and on the, near the train I was commuting. So no golf course though, right? There's do they have one? Oh, yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, they have a nice golf course. Look, I took um, golf in college because I needed like an easy A. Like I, I stacked up all these hard. Right. I was like, it's going to be an elective. It's going to be easy. C minus. <laughs> That's hysterical. 
Oh, well. My swing is a little bit better. I enjoy going with people. It's not yeah. my sport. <laughs> but it's a, it's a social thing, right? Yes. And as long as you can play, you know, it's good for business, I think. And even yeah. if you can't play, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> top golf is fun. Yes, yes. Top golf. Um, and so then law school and, and then real estate. Right. So my dad was a real estate broker. Even uh, he had uh, restaurants, but then on the side, he had real estate. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of cool. So I got my license while I was practicing law. And, you know, for the last 25 plus years, I've been doing real estate, um, brokerage development. And when I lived in D.C., there was a magazine, The Washingtonian, I think it was called. Out of the top 100 people, I think like 70 of them made the top wealthy people list, mm -hmm. all from real estate. Really? Yeah. So that's where the wealth, I mean, certainly nowadays, especially IT and tech companies is, mm -hmm. you know, but traditionally real estate's been a great. Wealth builder. Wealth builder. Yeah. Perfect and, word. And that's one thing that I, I really love that you're here because this is your expertise. This is your background. Sure. And I think economic wealth and, and building wealth is really important for anyone who wants to get ahead. Yeah. That It's important. You want to provide a good lifestyle for your family. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to have opportunity and choices yeah. into where you live and grow. And the reality is a lot of people can't do that right now, especially a lot of people from our Aurora community. So what real estate tips can you offer that might be practical and useful? I share space with Century 21 on the west side of Aurora on Galena. And uh, I know an agent there who basically put his all of his children through college because he had rental properties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Warren Buffett said, if I could, if I could figure out how to buy 200,000 single family homes, I would do it. And, you know, when the one of the smartest, richest guys in the world says that, you kind of listen. Single family homes has always been the best investment. Um, I kind of like commercial better, but for someone starting out, I mean, you typically, you know, for a house, you can buy three and a half to 5% down. Commercially, you need more of like 15% mm -hmm. to buy a house. Sometimes it's 20 or 25, depending on your credit. But, you know, if you can buy a $200,000 house in Aurora, put 5% down, $10,000, you know, and then, make money doing it. You know, the rent's got to cover the mortgage and the taxes and the insurance, things like that. Mm -hmm. If you hold it long enough, hopefully the price goes up typically three, five, 7% a year. It's, it's real estate's been crazy the last 15 years, yeah. but I think it's 7%, the 3%, even 3% or 5%. So, you know, when you compound that 3%, 200,000, what it's worth in 10 years, Einstein said the most powerful thing in the world is compound interest. Mm -hmm. So when you take 3% on top of 3%, you know that $200,000 house in 10 years, right. could be worth 275 or 300 or 250. I don't know what the number is, but, mm -hmm. but essentially that's a great way to do it. Let make sure that the rent will cover all your expenses and then make like seven, 8%, 10% is great. 15 is unbelievable these days. Cause think about it in the bank, you get like 1% now. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Stock market could be good, could be bad. It's gambling, right? But is this a good time then? Are you I think it is. Right now it's a seller's market more than a buyer's market because there's low inventory. But because the interest rates are so good, you know, I've practiced law long time and there are times rates were 15, 17%. Now they're like, you can get a home loan, even on an investment, probably at 3%. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable yeah. how cheap it is. So I think it's a great time. 
And are there any programs that can help people in terms of, you know, people are just trying to buy their first home, right? right, right. But is there any programs that you know of that help? Let's say in, in my situation, I have one home. This is yeah. my main home. Right. Um, but I, I would like to buy a second property. Sure. Um, if I don't have the thirty five, forty thousand dollars that I normally, you know, would put in right. to a single family, are there any loans or um, programs to, to help with that? You know, so you just have to go to someone who, uh, like we use First Centennial Mortgage in Aurora and Linda Callahan will help you make sure your credit's as good as it could. Because sometimes even just raising your credit 50, 70 points can bring your interest rate down a half point, which over time makes a difference. Exactly. So, you know, I would talk to Linda and then read, take books out of the library. I've done that. Um, meetup, meetup.com has a bunch of real estate classes there's a group called Renatus, R-E-N-A-T-U-S. Uh, they used to meet in Downers Grove before the pandemic. Um, I think it's all on, it's all online now, but it's like Thursday nights at seven, but it's like maybe a thousand dollars to learn how to invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds of classes, all kinds of networking opportunities. And I think that would be a great one because, you know, the guys on TV, some of them charge like $30,000 to learn how to invest in real estate. It's mm -hmm. not, to me, that's crazy. Those are scams, are they? It's not really a scam, but it's just, you know, you're going to have to make a lot of money before it pays it back. And I'm telling you, I think this Renatus and other, there's some other meetup groups like, you know, investing in real estate where they have classes that are meetup, I think is free. Mm -hmm. But I think if you join like a Renatus, that would be a great foray and it covers, you know, most of Chicagoland. Definitely worth our time is what Absolutely, you're saying. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, what about uh, what you look for when you're looking at real estate? How did you build your portfolio? I mean, obviously you, you, you're you educated in it, so you know exactly right. what to look for. But when you're trying to build your wealth, what sure. do you look for? So, you know, for a property, you've heard the adage, location, 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 right? Is that still true? It is still true. It is still true. You know, less so now because like, you know, neighborhoods gentrify, they get better. So, but you don't want to be in like a, a really like high crime area, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's lots of crime and there aren't many around here anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, Aurora's pretty safe, but you know, you can talk to the police, you can FOIA, freedom of information. You know, I'm looking at a house in this area. What's the, you know, how many burglaries, how many things like that. And usually realtors can help you with that. So I recommend working with a a realtor? A, a realtor who knows investment properties, mm -hmm. not how to sell homes, but also how to sell investment properties to look for, you know, the mm -hmm. maintenance, the insurance, you know, things to look for. Because like anything else, you got to hire a good professional. You have a good team. You need a good lawyer, a good realtor, a good uh, mortgage person, a good insurance person. And then if you're not handy- That's like four people. Oh, no, there's more. There's more. So if you're- that's if, not, See, that already sounds very expensive. <laughs> but- well, it, is. it can be. It can be. But in terms of if you want to build wealth, you have to put in some, okay? Exactly. And then if you're handy, great. You do the work. If you're not, you know, you have to find handy people. But honestly, I think Nextdoor is a great place. Nextdoor.com. The app you mean? Yes. Okay. The app, I need a plumber and I live, you know, I'm- you know, I would recommend buying a house close to where you live. Okay. I've made the mistake before buying something in Chicago an hour away. You get a call, hey, my sink's clogged up or whatever. Then you have to hire a plumber. It's $300 where I could fix it myself. So I think really location, 
good area, but also location to start out where you live. What about an investment property that is also like a vacation home? Cause so I've heard yeah. what you just said is the general advice that I've, I've received is yeah. buy something where you're at, know your area, um, you're able to be there. Mm-hmm. But the other side of me is like, well, if I buy another house, maybe it's going to be in Florida, like somewhere yeah. that I want to visit. Sure. But what you're saying is the cost can add up if there's problems. Well, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if, if you, you know, love Florida and you want to go there, but, you know, think about it to spend a week or two a year, you know, at a investment property, then certainly you can rent it out. But, you know, it used to be those places that rent it out for you took 10 or 15%. You know, some of them take like 50%, 60%, mm-hmm. you know, so. So it eats into the. It does. Okay. It does. I, I don't know. I think vacation take a vacation. I mean, yeah. And you're like, just take a vacation, Andrea. <laughs> at some point, if you have a few properties and you want to go spend a month or two, then it maybe totally makes sense, you know, but if you're going to spend a couple of weeks a year and then rent it out and have to deal with it. I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Any other tips that you can give in terms of real estate? So there's uh, like apartments, you know, you can buy two flat, you can buy a three flat, four flat, you know, um, what areas are the most profitable in this area of Aurora land? You know, I think it's more just finding the right house to have a realtor who's watching the hot sheets every day. Hey, this house just came on the market. It looks like a decent deal. Let's go check it out. Let's put in an offer. Mm-hmm. Watch those shows on TV, Torek and Christina. Like, hey, this came on the market today. Let's go look at it. Boom, I want to make an offer. I'll pay cash. You know, if you have cash, cash is always king, they say, right? Yeah. So if you can, if the thing's offered for 200, you know, now these days I had a realtor client who put his house, put a house on the market, I think a little over 200 on Monday. He said by Thursday he had 20 offers. Wow. Yeah. So. Were there any of them cash? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I didn't ask right. him, but right. So, and you say cash is king because you can negotiate a better price. So, if someone's going to buy a house right now, it's a seller's market. So, let's say they get a great price at 200, but the person has to go get a loan. So, they have to basically take it off the market 30 to 45 days. 30, 45 days, maybe rates go up. Maybe there's a coronavirus. Who knows what happens? Cash, you know, once you sign the contract, they're going to close in like, 30 days or less. Mm-hmm. You got a done deal. You can start looking at your next property. If someone is, you know, getting a loan, it may fall through, whatever. So there's a lot more variables that can happen and people want certainty. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned coronavirus. Has that impacted the real estate industry? Has that impacted uh, real estate owners in terms of uh, property yeah. and costs? I think it's helped the market become more of a seller's market because- First of all, I think people are at home. Uh, I've heard statistics how they're spending more money on their house because they're not going anywhere. They're not taking trips. Yeah. Right. So values are going up a little like that. But um, because of coronavirus, people don't want to show their house. They don't want people coming into the house. So there's less inventory. So the supply and demand, there's less supply, same demand or more. People are like, hey, maybe we should move. You know, We're, you know, they're thinking about mm-hmm. their house. So prices are going up. It's a great time to sell. Great time to sell. Yeah. Yeah. I read that you were a Rotary member. Yes. I attended my first Rotary meeting on Monday. Cool. I hadn't heard of the group before. Yeah. And my colleague, she's a Rotary member in uh, San Luis Obispo, oh. California. And 
she made an introduction for me here and I attended the, the, Rainfield? Which one? no, the two brothers roundhouse. Oh, it was a zoom meeting. One. Sure. Um, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started. My dad was a 20 year Rotarian. And I, when I moved to Aurora, I just called up and joined that club. Mm-hmm. I was president of five years later. We started that festival of lights in Phillips park. Oh really? Yeah. Still going on. Rotary is the largest service club in the world. Mm-hmm. 1.2 million Rotarians, 30 some thousand clubs and 200 countries. So if you have a passion after I speak French, as I, we were talking about before, when that hurricane happened in Haiti, mm-hmm. I called to the Port-au-Prince Haiti club and speaking French, what do you need? Well, they need tents and they need food. So our club sent seven shelter boxes, like a huge box of stuff that's like, a tent and food to live for six months, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a passion for Africa, building schools. You call the Nigerian Lagos Club. Hey, can we partner? Our club has built water wells in Guatemala. We have a student, exchange student from Venezuela. Rotary's cool. I love the service aspect, the mission of, of yes. service and living your life in service. And I love the the way that the meeting ended with the three questions. There's like three. four way test. Is yeah. it the truth? Is it fair to all concern? Will it build good will and better friendships? Is it beneficial to all concerned? Yes. If you live your life by that, it's pretty good. Can you repeat those questions sure. again? So these are four questions that it just makes you, it's a good checkpoint, right? Like, right. and it's worked with any decision, right? Like anything that you're facing. Yeah. If you can, is it the truth? Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And is it beneficial to all concerned? And is it beneficial to all concerned? Yeah. That's it. So if you live your life by that, you can't go too far astray. I love that. Yeah. So our Rotary Club, let me tell you. So I switched from the noon club in Aurora to the morning club. We meet at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning at Mother's. And that club, so each club has a little different dynamics. Yeah. And is it because of meeting uh, availability? So when I'm looking at the different meetings in yeah. my area, some of them didn't work. Right. And so the noon one tended to work the best for me this sure. this month and it probably will continue. Yeah. Is that the difference between the groups? Pretty much. I mean, you go to rotary.org, you put in your zip code and you'll see five, 10, you know, within so many miles, you know, usually like the big cities have it. Two, I think Naperville is, Aurora has two, Naperville is three or four. So right, there's a breakfast club, there's a lunch club, there's a dinner club, there's a social club. So whatever works for you. And then honestly, it's sort of like art. It, what people, do you mean art? Well, you could look at that painting and say, yeah, I don't like it. I could look at it and say, oh, I love that, right? So it's sort of personality driven, these clubs, right? Okay. So you, you go there and you, you get a feeling, you know? So- I switched to the other club and their big thing is youth exchange. So mm. we have sent 200 kids all over the world for like a, a year of school. They come back and they um, speak to our club and say how it's totally changed their life. Mm. You know, traveling as you and I spoke about is like one of the greatest things, greatest things and greatest educations you could ever get. Yeah, I believe that. I believe every high schooler should travel international. I believe in travel in general opens your eyes. It shows you the world is bigger than yourself. Yes. Shows you how big you can serve in the world. That's it. So our club usually takes in one or two students a year and we find three different houses from our members or friends and they go from house to house just so they get a different representation. 
they go to West High, and then we send out, you know, I think we usually send out like 10 kids a year. We sponsor 10 kids. Um, because of coronavirus, we didn't do it this year, but hopefully we'll bring that back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend other people to get involved? So I've done a whole bunch of things in my life, and I started uh, a networking group called Aurora Business United. So we have 2,500 people, and it's a networking group, and it's the uh, second Friday of every month. Mm-hmm. And I've made a lot of connections and some business from it, and I do other networking groups. I honestly will tell you, even better than my own Aurora Business United Club, which is free. If you want to join it, just go online to Facebook or Meetup. Rotary is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I was at a, not to be political, but I was at a Rotary convention because they have them all over the world. And Tammy Duckworth, our Illinois yeah. Senator, who you know was a military vet and a, a Purple Heart, she spoke it and she said, you know, I knew I was going to like this club, these people, because you pay to join a club to volunteer. Mm-hmm. So you're good people. Mm-hmm. And I've made, you know, business, it's Rotary's about service and about um, networking. Business, yeah. Business, right? So, and honestly, the third thing is friendship. I've probably, some of my best friends right now are Rotarians. Just, you know, we're all kind of like-minded, mm-hmm. live by those four principles. And yeah, so I think Rotary's been the best thing for my business ever. Yeah. And it's not expensive. You know, I think our club is 70, 25 bucks a month. Wow. And you get coffee and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you go to one, you don't like the vibe, there's other options. There's absolutely. plenty of other options. No, absolutely. And, and no hard feelings on groups. And- absolutely. Yeah. And you should, you should check out a few. And then um, once you join and you travel, or even if you don't, like you're in sales, mm-hmm. You can go to the other club and say, hey, I'm here from the Aurora Rotary Club. You go to Naperville, Plainfield, Oswego, Yorkville, and get to meet people. So Have you done that? Have you popped oh, into other yeah. Rotary? What's your favorite group that you've popped in on location-wise? My favorite one is probably Chicago One. So Rotary started in Chicago. Wow. And you know how people, a few people don't like lawyers. Well, mm-hmm. Rotary, the largest service club in the world, whose foundation is... I think, you know, the best in the world, one of, if not, you know, they have a billion dollars. We give uh, hundreds of million a year away. Started by a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> so, makes you happy. <laughs> that makes me happy. So I love going to the Chicago One Rotary Club because it's where it all started. And it's just sort of like going to Mecca, you know, going to where. Yeah. The, the origin birth, but, story location. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you one story about Rotary. So when I was president, um, most clubs, including ours, sends the president to the Rotary Convention. They move around every year. My year was in Birmingham, England, close to London. So I got to go to England. I brought my son, just he and I. And at the convention, the keynote speaker was Jane Goodall, the famous, you know, lived with the apes, yeah. super famous, wonderful lady. The convention, like the speaking thing, we got there right before she was to start. It was sold out, so we didn't get to see her. I was so disappointed. Here I am, dad, late. Son doesn't get to meet her. You know, his mom's not happy. And then um, we take a train from Birmingham to London, and who sits right in front of us but Jane Goodall. Wow. I said, hey, Jane, let me tell you about this homeless paper. Do you think I could ever interview? She goes, let's do it. Right now I'm interviewing. She goes, wait a minute, the BBC's calling. I got to put you on hold, right? <laughs> so we ended up, you know, helping her off the train. She gave my son a book, signed her name. It was really cool. So, And how, 
how did you build that? I'm in the interviewing space, but newer, right? Yeah. And it sounds like you've had to do this a lot in terms of trying to just promote the work that you're doing. Do you ever get nervous in those interviews and when you're meeting someone and you're talking to them? I'm sure I have, but it's been a long time. Because of Streetwise, the paper I started, you know, 30 years ago, I've been speaking like almost every other week at the beginning, like a couple times a week to service clubs, to junior league, to the first press church, to whatever. So I think like anything, you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. You get used to it and you get, and then if you know it, I mean, I don't have to prepare to speak about streetwise. I've lived it for 30 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't think so. I mean, I was a little nervous interviewing Jane Goodall just because she, she really should be like a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Anybody else that you've interviewed that stuck out to you? Well, Mitch Snyder, this famous activist, he was just really a cool guy and, you know, changed a lot of lives. Um, I'd have to think about it. I've been fortunate enough to interview a lot of people. We got Michael Jordan and Oprah on the cover of Streetwise. And of course we sold them. What? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't personally interview him. David Schwimmer from Friends came to Streetwise. What? Yeah. And he, and I, so David Schwimmer from Friends. I'm impressed with David Schwimmer. Right. And then Oprah and Michael Jordan. Yeah. So David Schwimmer came to Streetwise because David Schwimmer went to Northwestern, I believe. And he started his acting career in Chicago, right? Uh-huh. He started at the edge of the Looking Glass Theater, which is where Streetwise at 13th and Wabash started from. Wow. When we took it over, it was crummy space. So he came and said, Hey, I'm David Schwimmer. It was on entertainment tonight. I want to, this is where I started. And, uh, I explained how streetwise work. Cause I was there, right. They told us he was coming. So I explained it to him in 60 seconds. He went on the, uh, sh- on the show, Andrea. And he, it's like, he started it. He was like, he didn't need any lines. He's like, this is how it works. They come in, they buy it for a, a quarter. They sell it for a dollar. They get a place to live. Judd's got um, 52 of them at the Ohio East Hotel, living there, paying $110 a week. He was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Don't you love it when people open up themselves in that way? Especially when, like, when they don't have to. Right. And he said, call me. Here's my phone number. Call me if you want to start one in LA, which is, you know, halfway around the world mm-hmm. at that point. So, um, but I did talk to him once afterwards. Great guy. Now you're alderman of the 10th ward. What made you want to become alderman? And why are you running for mayor? So- you know, being a lawyer and a real estate commercial, mostly commercial real estate broker and developer, you know, you have to learn how to do business with cities, whether mm-hmm. it's Aurora, Naperville, Elmhurst, Glendale Heights, you could name a million of them, right? And Aurora seemed like one of, I don't want to say one of the hardest, you know, because it's big. We have a lot going on. We have limited staff, but it just seemed to be so hard to do business and, you know, you want to get businesses open. They pay taxes. They create jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So I complained about it for years. And one of my friends said, Judd, shut up. I'm tired of listening to you complain. Run for office. Really? Yeah. So I did. And I'll be honest. I ran twice and lost. Oh. And I ran a third time. And I said, this is it. If I don't, third time's a charm. I either make it or I'm done. And I won. Okay. So when you lost the first time. Yeah. I learned you- a lot. You know, you in life, right? You can like build a house on your own because you could do it or you hire a builder who's experienced to build the house and you work with them. So I kind of thought I knew everything and 
ran for alderman for the whole city because, you know, I thought everybody knew me. Well, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, I didn't work hard enough. I thought I was a shoe in my qualifications versus the candidate against me. I mean, come on. Yeah. And I lost because she knocked on a million doors and I didn't. I knocked, but not as much as she did. So I learned. And so third time you were ready. Third time I got a huge team of people. <laughs> yes. So I'm running for mayor because it's time to change. Aurora's $1.1 billion in debt in the red. And the current administration wants to spend another $100 million we don't have. $50 million to move the casino. thirty-five for a warehouse for cars and trucks. And we're $1.1 billion in debt. We just had to raise our taxes 3%. I mean, at some point... You know, you just got to say, all right, enough's enough. The state of Illinois is in rough shape. You know, that's not a good model. Let's let's not do that. What do you want to accomplish if you win? What is your main goal? My main goal is to get our financial house in order, okay. right? I mean, most cities, Naperville's in pretty good shape. I have friends on the council there, but Aurora's, you know, we're not. You know, we are not in good shape financially. We spent $10 million on vacant land used up our line of credit, and then the pandemic hits, like right before that. So we have a lot of properties. We need to get rid of them. We don't need to be in the real estate business. Mm. Let the private sector do it. Because when the city owns a building, there's no property taxes. Mm -hmm. We have to maintain them. We have to insure them or self-insure them. So get rid of all the properties we have, but basically get the financial house in order. Mm -hmm. Stop the crazy spending, cut where we can, and, you know, we lose millions of dollars every year because we don't bid out professional services. East Aurora School District started doing that and saved themselves millions. Mm -hmm. So we're going to build a road, which we do a great job getting three, four, ten quotes to build a road. But the engineer, we don't have to get quotes for. So we'll get one bid from a good company and it'll be like 200000 Okay, great. Mm-hmm. But if we got three bids, it could be a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. But since they know they don't have to give us the best price, there's no accountability. Because there's no competition is no what you're saying. Exactly. And they know it. Mm -hmm. And if they do a lot of work with the city, I'm not saying they're ripping us off, but like we use national pricing contracts for things from like 2018 from Mesa, Arizona. Well, when we buy police cars, that might be a good price but we don't know if that's still a good national price because we're not calling the local Ford dealers and saying, hey, what can you do for us? Mm -hmm. So I would beef that up a lot. I know we would save millions on that. And you're currently serving as alderman yep. and you currently work with the mayor. Is that awkward when you go to work and you're like, hey, I'm applying for your job? <laughs> yes, it's very awkward. And I really probably would have preferred to be an alderman for my years. I love my job as a lawyer and realtor, but I just see the path we're heading down. And, you know, one billion could turn into two billion. You know, like Illinois went from one to 10 to 100 billion. Mm -hmm. We got to stop that. So luckily, um, <laughs> I should say luckily, but we, we do Zoom every other Tuesday, every Tuesday, you know, so that's the only time I come in contact and everything's. Just, Zoom is online, mm -hmm. so yeah. people are watching. <laughs> you guys nice, play nice. <laughs> not always. We got into it a couple of weeks ago. And we had a little shouting match because I'm passionate about not spending $115,000 of taxpayer money on a legal bill when we told the city not to go ahead with it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like to take any stuff. And yes, it's very uncomfortable. But the, the deal is it's always been 
pretty much the aldermen, the mayor working together. So, mm-hmm. and there's 14 aldermen, 12, 12 aldermen. What does that role really do for the constituents? Right. So each ward, there's 10 wards, has 20,000 residents. Mm-hmm. And we represent those residents on everything. You know, we have a meeting every Tuesday. Then we have two committee meetings. I'm on infrastructure and technology and public health, safety and transportation. So, you know, stuff comes through. We need to buy body cameras for the police. We got to review it. You know, let's get three bids. Are we going to move city hall? You know, we're not, I'm just saying, but you know, like, are we going to build this $35 million warehouse or not? We need to review it. You know, there's lots of issues that come up. So there's the bigger stuff. And then there's, hey, Alderman Lofshe, I have a pothole in front of my house. Can you fix it? Absolutely. Called streets department. Boom. Within a few days, my street light was out. After the big snowstorm, someone's globe, you know, fell off street lights. Speeding is probably one of the biggest ones. Unfortunately, there's not much we can do for speeding. Um, water breaks neighbor disputes there's sometimes neighbors want to kill each other what I mean, can you do with neighbor disputes though call the police <laughs> <laughs> no sometimes call the police sometimes go talk to them one-on-one and then say hey look what's the real issue it's not the hysteria or hysteria is too loud it's they don't take care of their lawn mm-hmm. right if they if they took care of their lawn and they didn't have garbage out i wouldn't care if they played me live music once in a while but you put it all together. So I'll call a person and say, look, would you do this for me? Would you just mind? Because you're going to get a fine anyway if the city, your grass is over six inches. Please cut the grass more often. Yeah. You know? And they do. And they, they usually do. Yeah. When they get a call from you, though, they're probably like, all right, Alderman's calling. Like, yeah. A call or a letter mm-hmm. or both. I mean, usually call, but sometimes they don't answer. But I'll sometimes show up. I'll knock on the door and I'll say, hey, I'm not going away. Let's try and work this out. Mm-hmm. And are you, do you, did you like serving in that capacity? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, my whole thing is I have a passion for public service and I think you have to, to do this because it's a kind of a thankless job. Yeah. Kind of in the complaint business. Right. Nobody says, Hey, great. You're doing a great job. Right. You are doing fantastic. And I don't know that anybody in any job, how often you get that from your boss or your coworkers, Andrea, you're awesome. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's worse when you, you know, it's mostly the complaint business. So, um, did I answer your question? Or yeah, sure? yeah. You you like it? It's, oh, you have yeah. to be have a heart for it because in order to be in this business and have a thankless job, yeah. you have to do it because it, you want it. You like this. It's kind of who I am personally. Like everyone's got their thing, right? You know, I love doing volunteer work. So I'm on the Chicago Sinfonetta board, the Streetwise board. Um, you know, I'm a Rotarian. I've done Greenfest. Uh, Hesed House, we volunteer once or twice a month. Marie Wilkinson Food Pantry, probably once or twice a month. Chamber of Commerce, I've been on Rita's Prison Ministry, a reentry, you know. So I've been on from the Kennedy Institute to this to that, to small to large nonprofits. And luckily they're all kind of apolitical. Would you say that this work drives you? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, you know, if I couldn't volunteer, I would be like, you know, I'm a giver kind of person. So it feeds me and I love it. You know, I have friends like that. A lot of Rotarians are like that. And there's not only in Rotary, there's Kiwanis, there's Lions Club, there's Exchange Club, there's Key Club, there's Junior League. There's lots of great, I would say, check them all out and pick one. And if you know somebody, it's always good to, even if you don't though, I just called Rotary and started, but I think it does. And like I was telling someone recently, if I died and they said, you know, Chad was a nice guy. I'd be like, Darn it. That was a wasted life. I want people to say he really cared and he worked hard. You know, 
Mooseheart's a really wonderful group in Batavia, right? Mm -hmm. So they take 225 kids a year, feed them, clothe them, educate them from kindergarten to 12th grade. There was a student from Congo who came over who wanted to play basketball. And he had never played in his life. He played soccer, but they didn't have a soccer team. So he tried basketball and the IHSA said, well, he's 6'2". He was 127 pounds at 6'2". Mm-hmm. You know, you recruited him, so he can't play basketball. In fact, no kid in the state who lives at a high school can play sports ever again. Why? <laughs> Great question. Because then, because if they can live there, um, they're going to recruit them. Okay. That was their thing. Well... I said, well, if Mooseheart was recruiting them, they should fire the recruiter. In a hundred years, they hadn't won one sport ever. <laughs> oh, they won, right? So, so anyway, so I sued the IHSA and I won and he got to play. His first game, Andrea, he took 17 shots. He missed every shot. So if, we, if they recruited him, they, they said. But uh, he was playing. He was doing what he, he wanted to play. He was playing and I loved doing it. Even it was three years of time that I didn't get paid, you know, really it was a volunteer gig. Um, Pro bono type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Felt good to. And what are you most grateful for? Wow. I got a great family, mother, sister, son, wife, very supportive, amazing supportive wife, Um, health, career has been great. Um, love giving back through volunteer work and being an alderman. You know, I listen, mm-hmm. you know, I have important things. I do important things for the neighbors. I have garbage cleanup days and electric recycling days and shred days. I'm kind of being facetious, but. I mean, do you have days that- off? Do you take days off? Do you do travel and vacation and leisure time? No, it doesn't seem no. like you. <laughs> no, I mean, I do, but you know, after a week I kind of get like, I need to go back to work or, you know, yeah. whatever. But, but during this campaign from like last summer till now, no. No. Seven days a week. Does your family ever get tired of that? I, my, I grew up, my mom was a giver, to, is, is a giver, and she instilled that into my sister and I. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that now. But growing up as a teenager, I'm yeah. like, why are you going to help them? I'm your daughter. I'm here. Yeah. I need you to. So like, does that ever happen? Do you ever have that conflict? So my son, you know, after age 14... He was okay with me not being around at all, you know. <laughs> he was like, bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know. Um, my wife is very similar. She is a nonstop energizer bunny. So. Um, You're like, no, we, this is our life. This is no, our mission. It bothers me sometimes because I feel I need to unplug, right? Yeah. But uh, you're plugging away and you're going strong. Yeah. Um, who would you say are the three most pivotal people in your life? When you think about where you are today um, and the people in your life who've had a, a chance to change the trajectory, mm-hmm. have there been any people in your life who are, are that for you? Yeah, I would say, you know, first is Mitch Snyder, the fellow who inspired me to go down the path of helping the homeless. Uh, I have to think about it. Second, for sure, my parents, both of them were givers. And both of them were, you know, very supportive. And I think you can change a child's life by being, you're good enough. You can do it. Just believe, and my son actually told me, dad, believe in yourself. But I mean, I think that parents doing that and doing that, because I have friends that didn't have that, or even were like, their parents were not so supportive. And some of them can never get over it, you know? So... That's another. Yeah. Instilling confidence in your kids and building that esteem and talking life, speaking life. Yes. 
And then my wife, who's just been so supportive and helpful and didn't know how good a marriage could be, you know? Mm -hmm. They say that's the most important decision you'll make in your life is who your partner is uh, because that either helps you grow or it keeps you back. That's probably true, you know, and, and, and the fact that I want to do politics and she's okay with it and not only is okay with supporting, I remember seeing Barack Obama, he was a senator and he said, I want to run for president. His wife's like, no, you know, and where isn't it going to stop? And I don't blame her because that's a, you know, I feel under the microscope. I can't imagine running for president. That's crazy. But, but she did support him obviously in the end, but um, it, it would be hard, you know, if you didn't have that. Yeah. And it certainly sounds like it's helped you spread your reach and be able to uh, go out and give more of yourself knowing yeah. that home front is good. Absolutely. And, and she's brought me into the food pantry, right? I never volunteered a food pantry till I met her and she got on the board and writes grants and I go there and yesterday I had a meeting there with bringing other nonprofits to networking network. So yeah, she's opened my eyes up to that and to bicycling. I love it. I never biked. I mean, other than, you know, a little, growing up, but she like bikes 30 miles at a shot. So I had to get a bike and I love it. Yeah. It's a great for the summer months. It's fun to a thing for a couple to do. What do you think the world needs more of right now? Compassion, not divisiveness, not us versus them, not Republican versus Democrat, not pro-choice, pro you know, not just like, let's work together. Let's issues aside. We're in a pandemic for God's sakes. Let's work together. Let's love each other. You know, let's, Let's not be divisive. Do you see that in the business front and in in government? And is there room to build more of that? And how can you do that? I think there's always room to be better, right? And, and, you know, a lot of government employees are there a long time. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, but um, sometimes you don't know how you come off, you know? But I think that we as a city need to bend over backwards to help people, right? We have a $450 million budget, we need to help restaurants. We need to help tenants who can't pay their rent or their mortgage. We need to help landlords who also can't pay their mortgage because the tenants aren't paying their rent, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that we need to do good. I think we are doing good, but certainly, you know, we could always do better. It's sort of a priorities. Do we spend 10 million on vacant land and 7 million on two hotels and knock them down at 17 million? Or do we spend a million on mental health, which is a big problem, right? Mm-hmm. Do we spend a million on giving 50 or $110,000 scholarships to college, to kids, right? Mm-hmm. Who can't afford it or who parents make a little too much to get a loan so they're not stuck with 200,000 in debt. I went to University of Michigan, I think it's 50 or 60 grand a year now out of state. Who could afford that? Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? So how do you reconcile those two when you have policy decisions and major uh, budget constraints and right. needs to be more fiscally responsible, but then still wanting to have compassion for people? How do you reconcile those? I think you always start with doing the right thing, right? And, and the return on investment. My wife had said this, what's our return on investment on the vacant land by the outlet mall? It's zero. It's actually negative 300000 a year. We're paying 25000 a month interest on it where we could take in $25,000 a month and put it into helping people, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like I'm a business person. I'm not like anti-growth and let's not spend money. If we had a plan to do a Geneva Commons, which I helped with, right? Or 
you know, some big developments that, that could bring in money and create jobs, but to just buy vacant land to sit there to someday maybe develop it and then it costing us a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So prioritize people first and helping and the things that, you know, we need in order, jobs, education, public safety, right? Let's prioritize those. And then if we're going to invest in something, let's invest in something that, well, let's, buy a building and create a vocational center, mm -hmm. right? A youth center. I met with Ron Hain for a couple hours at a, at a, at a podcast like this, Good Morning Aurora. Mm -hmm. And he and Jamie Mosser, they're talking about the new crime bill. I said, well, what do you think? What's, what's the answer? He said, well, in summer of 2019 or the spring, I had a job fair. 450 kids got placed into jobs, like high school kids or students. He said, we had a quiet summer. Crime went down. So we need to do a better job at connecting people. And we've seen a lot of a spike in crime and I'm reading articles and they're saying it's youth and kids aren't in school every day anymore. And they don't have the active social club sports and right. that's important. It is, right. So yeah, our shootings are up 40%. Our murders basically doubled and we need to give them something to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Judd, thank you for, for being here. I appreciate your time and I thank you and I wish you all the best. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out TuesdaysWithAndrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.